You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode four of the Red 78, the only podcast you'll ever need for everything monster right here on the Rugby Channel. I'm Alan Quinlan, and joining me as usual is legend of monster rugby, Grand Slam winner, and the proudest Waterford woman you'll ever find. We have to keep saying that every week because you are a proud Waterford woman, aren't you, Neve? Thanks. How, how are you? How was your Good, weekend? Quinny. Good, Quinny. Good. Tough weekend. We lost uh, Nuno. Lost to United. It was a bad weekend soccer-wise. Um, and then our game was cancelled. So it wasn't a great weekend for us. But we live to find another day. That's a shame. Uh, you're disappointed. What about uh, you? No game this weekend, did you? No, it was cancelled, unfortunately. Uh, we're still waiting to figure out in relation to games committee meeting tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a front row issue or a COVID issue. So, right, we'll okay. see. We'll get more into that in a few minutes anyway. For everything Monster Rugby, this is the place to be. We're always looking for your feedback so on your thoughts on what's happening in Monster. The best way to get in touch is to tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or leave a comment wherever you're watching this across the Rugby Channel's social media pages. And we'll round them up each week and open up the discussion and get you involved. Please subscribe to the podcast. Just search for the Red 78 and you'll get the podcast straight to your phone every week. Okay, so we promised last week that we'd have a proper talk about the AIL. Something I'm very passionate about where it all started for me. Um, the backbone of Irish rugby, the grassroots of Irish rugby. So much, and also for you, Neve, as well, uh, we're very invested in it, but... Um, we're not good enough. Uh, well, I'm certainly not good enough at the moment uh, on, on everything that's happening in the AIL. But, uh, so we needed someone else to join the conversation. So I'm delighted to say joining us this week on the Red 78 is young Munster head coach, Garod Prendergast. Uh, you're very welcome, Garod. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, something that uh, I said it there, Neve and myself are both, both came through the AIL and uh, I have a great interest in it always. It's hard to keep track and all the the players, uh, the matches, and we don't see it uh, enough. It'd be great if it was on, on TV. Um, that's something that hopefully some of the big games this season might get get shown on on on, um, on TV. But uh, just give us a bit of a background on on your involvement. Back when I played in the AIL, um, you were you were there as well with Young Monsters. Uh, Mike was playing with Young Monsters. Paul O'Connell. With great rivalries, rivalries. What's the AIL like now for you as a head coach? Yeah, hi, Quinny. First of all, hi, Niamh. And thanks for having me on. Delighted to be on to talk about this. Um, yeah, I suppose Quinny, we're, we're not getting any younger. It's a it's a good few years ago now when you think about it. But um, I look, I was a, I was very much a bit part player compared to the likes yourselves and <clears throat> as you say, Mike and obviously Paul. But um, you know, I've great memories of, of AIL back then, and even going further back again when I was younger. If I remember correctly, I think it was 91, 1991 or something like that when AIL commenced. And, you know, everyone talks about the crowds back then. And there was huge crowds. And I suppose the Interpro game wasn't as um, maybe prevalent, obviously, as it, it went on to be with the professional setup. But, I mean, AIL was definitely the games, the, the games, to, the AIL games were the games to be at um, outside of internationals. And, you know, there was, there was great rivalries there. And, Obviously, the likes of yourself and, and and the Pauls and the Mikes, that was your that was your opportunity to or the platform to play to get on and play with Munster. And look, the landscape has changed dramatically. There's been plenty of conversations about it, but I suppose I am really excited by where AIL is at right now. 
and even kind of post pandemic, if you look recently at the games and, and how they're going, uh, they're going really well. And look, we're never going to be back to the days we were. I don't know if we ever are, obviously, from from back where you're referring to. And just 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 for the listeners, Garo, the reason being is, and um, you know, I was part of that change where I played with Shannon for a number of years. We were very successful. Um, Shannon produced a lot of players who were playing on the Munster team and the Irish team. And, and I remember in 2000, 2001, suddenly there was an announcement that there was going to be a Celtic league and that the professional players who were at the clubs, and of course, your Munsters had plenty of them as well. Claw and uh, Peter Clotsey, uh Paul was there and there was Mike, another, a number of players. So a lot of the clubs suddenly had to deal with a situation that the players that they brought through their systems, mm. um, the backbone, the probably the players that um, you know excited and brought crowds in on a Saturday because they were internationals, they were provincial players, uh, they were suddenly not completely gone, but they would have been back sporadically for the club. And that was something that was very difficult for Shannon. I remember that time. Uh, to accept and it was also very difficult for the players because we were kind of stuck in the middle of that that was a transition that you, obviously Shannon had to go through with Gary Owen Cork Con, Young Monsters it was a difficult period for clubs essentially that the game was kind of becoming more team monster wasn't it? It was we were definitely in that that uh, that environment back then and as you say like a lot of the top quality players were, were, were being taken out of the club game to a large extent it's it's it, different now, but back then you, you still would have played. So the likes of yourself when you were available, you would have played it quite a bit more. But um, it was a huge transition for clubs in particular. It would, look, it was tough on you too, Quinny, because I remember like, I, was, I was there and it was hard. We saw with the likes of Mike as well. And um, that part was hard on the players, but it was equally difficult on the clubs. And, and look, it caused friction. Let's not say it didn't. It did between the professional game and the club game. And there was a couple of years there where all that, that kind of transition had to be managed. You know, and that was a challenge. Do you think, uh, Garod, that <clears throat> when the game went professional, that basically is probably a shock to everybody um, in terms of nobody. I kind of feel like the women's game is kind of going this way a small bit as well. Just mm-hmm. We're not used to not having international players not available to play club like they haven't been for the last couple of years. And I think mm-hmm. if we could learn anything from, from your side of it, I think it'd be brilliant. But it seems like to me, like I'm... Remember going to my dad play with Go Eaton at the time, the likes of Eric Elwood and Gatland were involved. And we moved down to Limerick and we would literally spend Saturdays going to AIL games because it was it was like so big or whatever. It obviously lost its translation and it's lost its appeal probably to the wider audience since the professional game came in. Do you think that the club is still struggling because of that? Do you think it's still trying to find its feet? Um I, I don't know, you know, I mean, it's it's a very different landscape now. I mean, I, I can only speak primarily for ourselves. I mean, we've had our we've had our challenges over the years with it, but um, I suppose a lot of focus has gone on now in terms of developing within the club, you know, strengthening our under-20s and so on. And um, and then there's a good balance and a good relationship now, for example, with the academy in Munster. So there's, there's a lot of clarity in terms of when we have players and when we don't have them available. So... I suppose we're way down the line in terms of that transition, even as I said, I'd just like to think we're in a, a much better place, but there's no doubt over the years we've had our, we've had our kind of choppy waters for want of a better word, where relationships have been frayed and there's been a lot of tension between both professional game and club games. So um, 
I think it, it it's probably the the obvious word to say, but it's it's just getting that balance right and striking that balance. You know, you never want to say no to having involvement for the professional game in terms of players, but equally you want to bring through your own club players. And some of these guys will they mightn't come through the club the professional system, but some of them will kick on. You know, we've we've seen examples of that. Yeah, hugely. Look, I think for me, my thing is that I'm probably trying to prick your pick your brain a small bit because. Obviously, I watched your game against uh, Lansdowne last weekend. I thought it was cracking and unbelievable advertisement for AIL because you'd have loved to have seen it on television. Obviously, it was brilliant to see that they had streamed it. Um, but even the quality of rugby, I thought, was was class. But you know when you... Quinny and I were speaking about last week in relation to the amount of young lads now that seem to be getting a chance from the academy to play AIL, which is brilliant. Um, it also gives them run of games because there's no A games as such as, anymore or... or games in the URC during the international window. So because of that, then they're allowed to play with their clubs or a club more often. Um, mm. There was 14 academy players from Munster when he played last weekend in the AIL. In terms of that balance, do you get them in for training that week? Um, is there, do you, do you, can you see where um, they're coming or is it a case of, you know, you might just get them on Thursday night for that captain's run. And then how do you balance that with the players that have been training all along? Probably the dynamic there. Yeah, that's a really good question, and I suppose it's it's could potentially be relevant for yourself as well. Mm. But um, yeah, to be honest, even and I'm, I'm kind of working. Maybe if we just go off even this year, to be fair, to, to mention the likes of Ian Costler now, who's come in ahead of Academy, he's doing a really good job of communicating really clearly way in advance. So we're 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 able to plan weeks in advance in terms of availability of Academy players. So that's worked really well. Um, we don't have huge numbers in the Academy at the moment, if I'm being honest. So. Yeah. You're talking a small number of players and, and, you know, those lads, they're young lads, they've really bought into it. Uh, they're training with us most nights, to be honest with you. Brilliant. Uh, and which is fantastic. Uh, that helps in terms of integration and then the club lads see that. But um, we've definitely strove to kind of, if I'm being honest, be very much focused on developing the club players uh, and being very club orientated with, with a sprinkle, if you like, of academy players. But I have to commend Munster, I have to commend the likes of Kazi and so on. It's been very clear communication so far, so we can plan three, four weeks in advance, which makes everyone's life easier. That, yeah, that's good progression, I would say, because um, you know when this whole thing started, and to be honest, Garod, um, nobody really knew what way it would pan out in two thousand and one when suddenly all yeah. all of us were gone, and uh, we'd come back, and we'd end up in a situation where. Uh, we were so used to playing with the club and even sometimes the week, two weeks before internationals, the Irish mm. coaches would come and watch an AIL game and it'd be a little trial. It'd be a trial mm. for guys. Yeah. Um, for, but that all changed, obviously, with Munster. The crowds then started going to some of the Munster games. People were caught between both, weren't they? And it, it affected the crowds. Yeah. But you talk about that communication with Ian Costello. Um, that didn't happen back then because... It was a case of, and there was a lot of friction, even when we went back training on a Thursday night and suddenly we were playing on Saturday and we might be available for two weeks. And it, it caused friction with the club players themselves. So it was a really, I remember it was a really kind of tough situation for us as players because we wanted to play with the club, but mm. we couldn't. But I think that's brilliant now that that kind of communication is good, that you can plan a few weeks in advance. And as Neve said, you know of a calendar where you have some windows where you know you have... Yeah. Players. So who who did you have at the weekend that would have been involved with Monster that that came back to you, and how did how did you manage that week with them? 
Yeah, so from an academy perspective last week, we would have had uh, Patrick Campbell, who's uh, hopefully going to be involved in the Irish 20s, and also Adam Maher, please God, who will be two, please God. Uh, Adam's a scrum half, Paz is a full-back, two brilliant players and two really good young lads as well. And then lucky enough, we were able to get Keenan Knox as well, because Keenan needed some game time. Keenan's obviously playing out at senior level, so... I mean to have to have those lads available, and again, I'm just I'm not saying it to sound politically correct, but they they do really buy into the club game. Um, so the academy the academy players they would they would be with you essentially most of the time anyway. Training, would, yeah. So it's yeah. just Kenyon Knox who wouldn't have been he won't wouldn't be there all the time with you. He so wouldn't be there all the time. Number. Yeah, but he was able to come in at the start of the week, train Tuesday, train Thursday, get familiar with the plays. Now again, he'd remember a lot of it from last year. We haven't changed a whole lot, but it, to be fair to Keenan. Seamless process. He didn't start. We we have to be loyal to the lads that are there week in, week out. And we again, I'm not just saying it, but we've we've a really high caliber of player, and particularly in those positions. So, um, and these lads, the lads understand it. The likes of Keenan understood it. He was came in, he came on the bench, and you know, Colum skiing started a tight end. Colum unfortunately took a knock, so Keenan probably came on a little bit earlier than expected, but had a huge part to play in the game and enjoyed enjoyed the celebrations afterwards as much as anyone, which is which is great to see, you know. Yeah, Neve mentioned there about the the quality of the game, and um, I didn't get to see the game, but I read reports on it. Um, tell us a little bit about the quality, not just of that game, of what you've seen in the last number of years as as head coach of Young Monsters, and you know, with the other clubs around the AIL as well, and and how competitive it is. Because you know, I've been to lots of games in the last number of years, and I've at times I've been very surprised, um, and and try to encourage people to go and watch it, go and look at this. It seems to be they're young guys who are playing with no real baggage. They're trying to get it. Obviously you need a game plan and you need the, we hear a lot about the kicking game and the structures of the professional game. And you see it a little, you need structure, of course, but you see a little bit of freedom for these players as well, that they just kind of attack and go for things a bit better. Yeah, they do. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Neve referenced it there. The game last Saturday, I mean, is a, is, a, is a perfect example. I mean, look, we were lucky we played on a pitch like the Aviva. It was incredible. But both teams have a philosophy to play. It's like, I mean, I think our second try, and I'm, being honest, I, I can say it, it was, a, it was a lot of phases to that score. I've seen Lansdowne play earlier this year. Again, they play a very similar brand. They can play. But to be fair to AIL, particularly 1A, 1B in particular, and indeed some of the other levels, that. The coaching is of a very high standard, so there is a quite a detailed game plan. But look, I can only speak from my own philosophy, and, and that is that is of getting the balance right, of having a template, everyone being very clear that this is the structure we play with it. But equally, you know, if there's line breaks, etc., let's play, let's keep the ball, let's keep the ball moving. We don't need necessarily to kick the ball away. We don't want the ball in the air too long, too many times. So it is a nice brand to watch. And look, in reference to the other clubs, I could start naming them. I mean. You look at the Corcons over the last few years, the rugby they've played, a brilliant brand, Brian Hickey and all his coaching staff, Clontars, the Lansdowns, the Trinities. You know, there's there's some excellent teams in there. Um, but look, equally, you do, like like the professional level, Quinny, you're going to have some clubs that will play more of a kicking-orientated game, maybe a bit more of a power-based game. And that's fine too. You you, you work with your personnel, but there's definitely, um, there's definitely some level of freedom or sense of freedom to let these guys express themselves because to be honest with you, Quinny, the, the the talent that's there, you want them to express themselves. Connor Hay has been a prime example the weekend. He scored three tries. You know, he's and, on uh, some run, isn't he? 
he's fantastic, Neve. But there's others as well. Oh, well, please, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. big thing for me, girl. Sorry for interrupting you there. Is yeah. um, do you know the way? It's something that's really come into my head over the last few weeks. As we go up levels in terms, Quinny, you might agree as well in terms of the, you know, schools into academy, sub academy, professional era. We've become very systematic in our approach to the game at times. We can get very bogged down in what the game plan is. Part of me feels like a bit like in the AIL. It's like for me, the basic core skills are concentrated on so much more. So the catch pass, the ability to be able yeah. to find space. Um, and from that aspect, that's why I love to watch it. And it's like, for example, if there's any games around Limerick and I'm not working and I'm not coaching, then I'll go and stand inside and watch them because I find there's something pure about it because yeah. we will have a go and they will have a crack. And I think I, I love that about it. Yeah, that, 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 that is a big selling point. And I, being honest with you, Niamh, I, uh, I think that's why we're getting the crowds we're getting at the moment. And I'm not just talking about your know, monsters. There's, there's other teams in the AIL that are playing a really attractive brand. I, I'd reference 1B as well. You know, you've got some quality teams in there as well. You know, I look at Highfield are going very well again this year now. You've got Shannon, you've got Wesley, Belvo, etc. So all those teams are well able to play as well. And I suppose I've it's, some jo- it's some joke, isn't it, that Shannon are in a division below Young Monsters like given all that went on the years when I when you played and I played, what's going on, Garod? Like, Neve, do we have to listen to this? Do we? Oh, I get it. I get it all the time, Garod. Glad you're sharing. I have to sporadically drop Shannon in there every now and again. Anyway, of course but, you do. Uh, of course. Come here. When you look at the professional game, Garod, do you take stuff from that? Um, you talk about your coaching philosophy. Do you think the coaches in AIL try and mirror some stuff that's happening in their provincial teams, whether it be? AIL teams in Leinster or Munster and should they in other words then is the, is the pathway kind of you know easier to, or you just play your game and you no one in Munster kind of tells you that you should play this way or that way or, or should that happen yeah it, it, it's an interesting question it's an interesting debate I think there's elements of that of course you're going to be looking at the professional game looking for ideas um, it, I, I suppose it's more probably in terms of approaches more than anything else I where the pro game has had a big influence on the club game in the last 10 years has probably been more like your, your S&C, your off the pitch, etc. And then the technical aspect, like, look, nowadays, lads, information is so accessible and so easy to get, you know, whether it's from Southern Hemisphere or Munster or Leinster or whatever, it, it's accessible. Um, I've been very lucky in that I've, and I'm no problem saying it, obviously having a brother that's a professional coach for the last 10 years in the top 14 with Mike and then, the likes of Paul being involved a bit with the club and helping out when he can. I mean, they've been two huge influences on me, but um, I do see where the game has shifted, whether it's pro or, or a high level of AIL, is, is the speed the game has been played at and the yeah, intensity. Yeah. So training now very much from our end is modified around intensity. And, you know, if I'm being honest, probably a lot of the work is done via video. So when we get on the pitch, it's training at a very high pace. It's trying to replicate what a game is like on a Saturday. So, it's really high intensity. I, I'm not saying the detail has gone out of the game. Absolutely not. But And what I am saying, I suppose, is there's less standing around, you know, trying to... There's, le- there's less sessions like uh, when Shannon used to go out and train against Young Monsters in Derry knock and the, <laughs> the floodlights were uh, minimal and we do an hour and a half of scrummaging and mauling against each other. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, the floodlights might have been a few cars put <laughs> up beside the pitch with the lights on full belt. Uh, no, probably not. And then, look, in fairness to mention some of my peers as well at Division 1A, for example, you know, we had a WhatsApp group going there last year with all the coaches on it with, during the pandemic. 
which was fantastic. I think it was in fairness, there was Sean Skeen from Terniur that actually set it up and, you know, brought in guest speakers from the professional game and the club game. And they presented on their kind of philosophies and how they approach it. Uh, and that was fantastic. And it is good to have those peers with you. Like I've got to know some of the other coaches over the years. And we're not afraid to ring each other and bounce stuff off each other because, look, we're there to support each other. It's a challenging enough job. It's very time consuming. It's pressurised. We all work. So we've got families. So, you know, we're no different to like, for example, the DGA and so on. You, you need to get, you need that balance. You need that peer support because it can be a very lonely game whether you're in the pro or AIL game. You know? Just just to bring Neve in, you're a head coach as well, Neve, in the AIL with the UL Bows and the women's AIL. What, what's it like for you? And, and have you seen the women's game improve? Obviously, we had the disappointment uh, recently of not qualifying for the World Cup and lots of debates about where the women's game needs to go and supports and all that kind of stuff and, and maybe some criticism towards the RFU. But for you as an, an AIL coach, you know, what's the standard like and what's it like for you um, being in the same job as Garot, given your time, uh, your volunteering, you're passionate about it? What, what's that like for you and what's the standard like? Yeah, look, it's, it's different. I think the women's game is kind of flirting now about it's either going to explode, I think, um, with investment and resources or it could end up going the other way, which I hope it doesn't. But I think at the moment, the, the league is definitely two tiered, even though it's only one division. So um, top four teams are a little bit ahead of, of the bottom six. Um, so after Christmas, the league will split into a tier one, tier two system. Um, and it's it's been challenging. I can't really put it any other way. It's my first foray into coaching. Kind of fell into this head coaching job by accident, I think. And um, look, it's been brilliant. I, a bit like a road, you're trying to continually develop away from the pitch. You're trying to try and gather as much information from people and other coaches as you can, um, while not really losing yourself in what you're trying to do. I think at times you can try and you can kind of get wrapped up in all these systems and all these plays when really, if you can just take a step back at times, I find, and just see the strengths of your squad and your players and, and try and facilitate your game plan into that, I think is probably the most important thing. I think and also... This, this is a question for both of you, which uh, it's really interesting what you say there about the transition and the same time the pressures are there for both of you. Is there players in your teams that just are playing rugby because they love it? And that yeah. they're, ne- they're not necessarily want to play for Munster or play in the professional game. Yeah, hugely in the women's game, especially. They, there's a lot of social players out there and some of them that are unbelievable, but just have no interest, and which is fine. You completely get it. They buy into your club, they buy into the team. Um, and if that's their ceiling that they want it to be, then I have no, I have no issue with that. Um, but there definitely are players out there that just play, just to play club, just to have the crack. And yeah, we, we're we're the very same, Quinny. Um, like Neve is saying there, like I, I mean, I just players popping into my head now that I've coached over the years. That, being honest with you, probably could have kicked on and played rugby at a much at, sorry at a higher level. Uh, but for whatever reason, I haven't. It could be career orientated. It could be the pro game isn't for them. But there are there again. There's there's a number of players playing club rugby that I can think of that would be more than capable of uh, making a step up. But like you touched on, they're, they're happy playing on the Saturday. But I suppose I would balance it by saying, even those players playing one in, I'm sure Neve is the same. The commitment is huge. You know, I, I hear about the commitment from the GA side and I get it because I've 
a lot of friends involved in GA and I, I see the level they train at. But I mean, these guys try playing in Division One A, One B. You know, their their S and C, their diet, their sleep requirements, their training. Uh, you know, their mental approach, the sacrifice they make. It's incredible. I mean, are they same, are they preparing? Are they preparing like semi pros essentially? Absolutely, Quinny. Yeah. So if you take, for example, Saturday, we had a hugely physical game against Lansdowne. You know, they'll recuperate Sunday. Monday, they might get in a gym session. Tuesday, we'll train. Wednesday, gym. Thursday, train. Video analysis on top of that. We now use the likes of Huddle, which a lot of teams are using. So player input is massive. The days of just the, the, the coach standing in front of a video screen is kind of gone. It's, it's so interactive now with WhatsApp and you can cut clips. So. Where's are, where's the fun in it though for the players? Uh, do they get a few points? That can do you pick do. your weekends? They do. That's the beauty of it. We still have a bit of that, and look, we encourage that because we're not we're not monster. We're not Ireland. We know that we we have the balance, and and I suppose look, that's probably the attractive part of it is that you have still that amateur ethos, if you like. Um, but it's, it's amateur in name. It's amateur only. name, but on only, but yeah. I mean, I'm just giving you an example of a typical week there for an AIL player. And I'd say if you go right, you know, down to the two A's, the two B's divisions, those guys are making sacrifices as well. So particularly in the higher divisions, to play rugby at this level, you, you know, you're a finely tuned athlete. You're looking after yourself. And probably the other thing I'd put emphasis on that I'd love to see more of is, is the lads starting to become more students of the game um, and maybe studying the game a bit more because... Again, I go back to the accessibility now of information. You can get your hands on so much information and games. And like our lads now are studying studying our games, reviewing our games weekly. So there's a bit of input from them as well. I find for, for you, Neve, I just want to ask you is um do you think even listen to Gar there that it's something that would benefit the women's game if there was more of a connection with the with the the, the these teams, the top AAL teams, that you, your girls, your women could go and see, ye as coaches can learn a bit more. Well, to be fair, Carl Sheridan's our director of rugby, so... You have a direct line to some... We come all oh, into Tommy, uh, into AIL, into the men's team as well, but they're obviously 2A, and our, our girls are very very similar to what Garrods Our week is, we, we train Monday, Wednesday, we gym Tuesday, um, I clip the whole game on a, after we play on a Saturday onto a Sunday so that they get a true huddle, and then by the time you get it back around to Monday training session, then they've already seen it, commented on it. Well, Huddle is this platform that you're putting the games onto. Yeah, yeah. So see. yeah, and then they just, we clip it, and you just, as as Carol said, you just throw it into something like a WhatsApp and let them comment away on it. Because I don't know about Garoud, and I hundred percent, I actually love his comment there about getting to be more students of the game. I have loads of girls, girls that play rugby for Ireland that don't watch any rugby outside of the training sessions and the matches that they play. I, and even if that, that applies to the pro game. Yeah, well. and I, I think I even wrong, trying to get them to sit down to watch a whole 80-minute game, is if you're never going to do that. So if you can clip what you can and send maybe eight or ten clips from a game, that's, that's, that's the way to go for us, I think, in terms of trying to um, get as much inf- information and... The training age is very different to girls. Like I have girls that, you know, are playing rugby for Ireland, but might only be playing rugby four years. I have girls that are just starting to play rugby that are playing AIL. Um, so you've got to try and marry the balance. Be, yeah, and there needs to be some patience with the development Completely. of the women's game, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe there's things you you can learn from that transition in the club game from from the men's game. But there has to be patience. There has to be resources. There has to be time given into these 
to these uh, these players to develop them. Um, I think that's really important. We're talking about development here, maybe more so than than what Gareth's yeah. you know presenting because he's guys who are playing rugby all their lives and they're young playing from a young age, which is I think it's some somewhere where the women's game where we want it to go, where these young girls are playing underage rugby. Then when they present to your team that they've years of experience. Completely, yeah. And like so we, we're getting the odd one now on the back of that 13, 14 really successful Irish squad. But it's it it's coming. It's just going to be another five or ten years. Do you know what I mean? So as hundred percent, that's what I would urge. I would urge patients across the board, but I would urge them not just to wait for that group to keep investing in terms of coach development within the IL clubs. You know what I mean? And, and stuff like that it doesn't have to be bundles of money. It can just be time. You know, co- you know, professional board coaches from within the RFU system doing what Gary did, like talk about what Gary did earlier, like last year during the pandemic, they had good players, coaches coming in and talking to them about their philosophy. And it might be a case of, you know, giving them out decision-making drills, rock drills, stuff like that, that, you know, that they find difficult to be able to understand or to get from a coaching point of view. If you can just give them a kind of a template, then, you know, the players that are getting better on the back of it. So I think just it, it's getting there. We just, you're hunting around, we just got to be patient. So, Gar, just we're going back to grassroots and, and I'd love to talk to you all day about, about this. Um, people often say the club game and I, and I believe it's the it's the foundation of the game in Ireland. What's your opinion on that? Because some people are resentful a little bit who were really passionate about their club. They're a little bit resentful of the professional game because they've stolen our players and they're getting well paid and everyone forgets us. What's your opinion on that? Is it a really important part of of our development as a rugby nation that you're a small cog in the team that will run out against the All Blacks next week? Yeah, look... This this goes back for me for years, so I feel particularly passionate about it, and uh, probably stem from someone like my dad who was quite influential because he was a big club man as well. Um, I think it's a core fabric of it, Quinny. And to be honest, I would say it's a little bit bigger than a small cog because I I've been lucky enough to work with some of these guys that have come through the system over the last few years. If you look at most recently, the likes of say Gavin Coombs playing for Ireland, and I've, down through the years I've been very lucky whether I've been in. A, assistant coach and the likes of Bose with the likes of Cully Tucker and, and when he was head coach there who was a brilliant coach and with you know Jack O'Donoghue, Kevin O'Byrne, all these guys and so down through the years as I said I've been lucky to see these guys develop but I've seen the part the AIL is playing for a lot of these guys you know um, I remember reading an article from Peter Manny a couple of years ago and he spoke at length about the influence and the importance of AIL had in his career path. Gavin only said the same very recently you jump forward to Keenan's uh, reaction to the game on Saturday. I mean, he was blown away by the standard. He was blown away by how how, how challenged he was himself. And so, I, I, I like you know, if you look at what I suppose was proposed by the RFU there a couple of years ago was to, uh, you know, maybe lessen the gap between the pro game and the club game. And it was kind of seen as that third tier. And I know there was a proposal made to maybe look at top two divisions um, in the club game. I know for some that might be kind of quite controversial, but... It um, it probably would have provided an opportunity or a pathway both for players and for coaches to get into the pro game. But um, whether the, whether that's still in the cards or not, I don't know. But to go back to your original question, club game is the core fabric of Irish rugby. And okay, we talk about the pro game now and, and and how it works. But 
I've just given an example today of, 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 of lads in the academy that need the club game to get their game time. Where the A games go from now, I don't know. I know they'll still have just a few inter-pro games, but outside of that, these guys just need to be playing rugby. And if I'm speaking honestly, I do feel at times they don't play enough rugby. And I mean, it's all fine doing your S&C and so on, but they're, they're professional rugby players. They need to be playing rugby. And I've no qualms in saying I feel they need to be getting more game time. And there's a really good brand there to provide that opportunity to them. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think I think that's been something that lots of people have been crying out for for a long time um, because, you know, while it's good to see these young guys get opportunities from Munster, something's not going to happen week in, week out. So in order for them to be playing more rugby, getting up to the pitch of the game, getting that balance of understanding, of learning, you know what I mean? You can't really, can't replicate any training intensity of a match and but you can also, you can't really put yourselves in situations in a match where, or in training, sorry, where you're going to be caught out like, like you would in a match, if that makes any sense. So I am 100% in agreement with you. I think it's, I feel like this year, especially, whether it's on the back of the pandemic, whether it's the new URC championship, I just think it's so important and it's so good to see so many young guys involved from an under 20 point of view a Munster academy point of view sub academy and even some of those senior players on the fringes um get game time a week in we get with AIL like Keenan Knox came off the bench the other day and he was oh. Peter Dooley came with him as Munster, as Munster people we probably argued that um Munster needed more we needed more we need the AIL to be vibrant it was an incredible success back in the late 90s early 2000s and uh you said it at the start, Gar. It'll probably never replicate the same crowds of ten thousand people. Shannon Young Monsters, uh, or Gary Owen Young Monsters, or Gary Owen Shannon. Those kind of big games that happened. But um, you also said it, Neve. There, something I feel has kind of changed a little bit. There's there's some weekends now that that are available for people to go out and, and follow their club, and that's not just at senior level. It's at junior level throughout Monster as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of potential. John Hayes is still out there. Um, he came through the club game, 104 caps. He didn't start playing rugby till he was 18, 19. Um, mm. So there's there's potential there. And I think if we're trying to get guys into Ireland jerseys in the future, that that pathway and that stepping stone through the club or even staying with the club is is really important. Yeah, Quinny, to come in on that, I totally agree with you. I mean, like, you know, you mentioned junior rugby there. We have a couple of lads. We have Colin Ski and our tight-head prop who came from Tarlis. He's an excellent player. He's played Irish universities, Irish clubs. <coughs> he's, a, he's a tip man, so that doesn't surprise me. You know, plenty of tip lads out there. I was waiting for that, but uh, we've 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 you know Evan Cusick this year's come up from with, with playing with Tom and granted he's playing senior with them in in Division Two C with Tom and but um, he's a huge prospect as well, a very talented kid. And I, I look, I could Alan Kennedy, our captain, a superb rugby player. I, I could go on and on. The one thing I, I suppose I touch on as well, we're doing a lot of talk with the pro game, but. I'm lucky enough in that I've been coaching the Irish clubs as well. We only got one year because of the pandemic and hopefully we've, we've gained six for March of, of next year. But I mean, again, that's, that's bringing together probably the best 30, 35 players in AIL rugby to play for their country. And we played Scotland uh, two years ago. Um, the standard there. And if you look back through the years of the Irish clubs, a lot of the guys that have played for that team have gone on to play professionally. So that gives you a good sense of the, you know, where club rugby's at. You're t- and again, some players coming from Division One B as well. I, I, I might add. So, the, the the John Hayes example is a really good one. But the 
they're dotted around. It isn't just about the guys in the system. There's plenty of guys that don't come through the system that are more than capable of playing. Um, you look at someone like Neil Cronin with Gary Owen a couple of years ago, you know, playing Monster now, another good example. So it's definitely a brand. It's definitely a level of rugby that I think can be looked at more by the RFU, can be invested in in terms of the reality is some level of finance, but time as well. And I, I do think, you know, getting it on a level in terms of media, whether a, a TV level, how that's done, I don't know. But I do think it should be looked at because I look at some of the other countries like New Zealand showing NRC games or whatever it's now called, Mitre 10. I think we're something equivalent and, and why not do it? Promote the game. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you say that. The more more um, coverage and, and media attention and maybe putting some of these games on TV yeah. Would, would would make a huge difference. Garrett, we're going to leave it there. I'd love to talk to you more about the AL. I think we've cover, covered a fair bit there as regards um, the importance of it, not just for players um, who want to be professionals, but for people who are passionate about their club, the volunteers who, who get up and uh, give so much time to the club, their underage systems, all that kind of thing, and are really passionate. I think they're getting more opportunities now and the crowds are increasing a little bit and the rugby is good. So thank you so much for joining us. Good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, you're four out of four so far. We'll come back and get a report later on in the season. I have to get Brian Hickey on and get the Carcon angle as well (laughs) and some more AIL coaches. But look, thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Niamh. And best of luck you too, Niamh, as well. Thanks, Ian. Right, Neve. it was great to chat a little bit AIL and hopefully it's something we can do a little bit more of throughout the season because... uh, we both agree it's 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 an important part of of uh, the club game, the professional game. It's intertwined in everything that happens in, in, in Irish rugby. And sometimes we forget it. And that's yeah, what we're trying here, not to forget the club game and, and the amount of good players that are coming through the women's uh, game and men's game. Um, obviously, this weekend, um, there's a couple of weeks, months are off for a couple of weeks. Um, it's Ireland. Um, they play Japan, New Zealand, Argentina. Um, we focus on the Munster guys. How many Munster players will start against Japan at the weekend? It's it kind of it's a it's a hard one to call. Really, will it be a mixed and match team from Andy Farrell, or will it be the team that starts against New Zealand the following week? What would you do? I think he's got to go with a fully loaded uh, team to get some continuity timings. Um, you've got to remember. Some of those big guys that are coming back into that squad have come from the lines, haven't had much game time. So they definitely need game time in their legs. I think, um, yeah, I think I think it's going to have to be fairly um, as close to, uh, if not the team that starts against, or even if he finishes um, with the team that starts. But that team that starts against New Zealand, there's going to have to get a chunk of game time in against Japan. And is it Argentina then that there'll be a bit of mix and match and give the squad some game time? Yeah, look, I think that's probably what the plan is. I think, you know, I think the reality is, is that Japan can prove a huge problem for Ireland in terms of their the, the ability, the way they play. I think that they're so, so good to watch, Quinny. I really enjoy them. And um, and, and they'll pose problems. And then if Ireland can get, get on top of that in terms of the problems they'll pose in terms of their ability to get the ball to the wide channels, New Zealand are very similar. So that'll be a good test run for them. And then obviously Argentina then, yeah, I think I, th- I think that's what they do. What do you think? Do you think they'll... Um, yeah, I'm divided on it. You know, if you look at... Um, part of me would love to see Craig Casey and Joey Carberry start at, at the halfback positions. But I wouldn't like to be Andy Farrell having a conversation with Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray um, 
Well, considering Sexton's 100 cap as well. Yeah, yeah. So, look, it's a fine line. I I, I actually think more so, I, I kind of tend to agree with you that that um, it'll they need to probably go as strong as possible to the team that, that they'll start the following week. Obviously, there'll be some sm- small decisions between certain players, but I think you need a, you need a game. You need some preparation yeah. uh, for that New Zealand game because they wouldn't have played. It's probably bad news for the Munster players because... Um, when you go through the team and you see, you start picking the props because, you know, will Andrew Porter start at Lucid or will Dave Kilcoyne? Um, Keen Healy seems to be that transition, that change is happening in, in Leinster where he moved across and they're trying to play Porter as a Lucid. Obviously, that's maybe having one eye in, in World Cups and, and having Porter and Furlong on the field at the same time. They're two incredible players. But I think Keen Healy wouldn't be too pleased not to start either. But... Um, I think it's going to be, you know, probably see Dave Kilcoyne coming off the bench. Um, Tyburn is another really interesting one because you think he's on a Lions tour. Um, Excellent he, and, on a Lions tour. Yeah, James James Ryan is not in a Lions tour. Maybe he was in that uh, kind of utility position of of being able to play back row, second row. Um, Ian Henderson was on the Lions tour. James Ryan was controversially left out of it, I think. Um, who starts in the second row? Is it Henderson? Is it Ryan? Where does Ty Byrne fit into that? Um, and then the back rows, obviously, you know, Peter. does Peter O'Mahony start with his experience? Um, Caelan Doris has been playing six for Leinster, Jack Conan at, at eight, and he had a brilliant Lions tour as well. So um, I'm not sure it's going to be a tough one. Um, for, I think for, to be fair too, though, if you're looking in form, which is a very difficult thing to do because the likes of those lines uh, players haven't had a chance to get to form because they haven't been able to play because of mandatory rest. Peter Manny's had an unbelievable start to the season. and He has. He's played um, well. And I think even in the Ospreys game last week, I just thought he's there's a bit of a spark to him, a bit of bite yeah, to him. And, uh, yeah, he's a lot um, of involvement in the game. Maybe we'll see Zebo light up the Aviva, will we? I'd love it. Wouldn't it be brilliant? Because he offers Ireland a different element in attack. His ability to be able to be a playmaker is something that Ireland are lacking. And that's not a disrespect to Hugo Keenan. It's just a case of Seaboard just offers something different. And then uh, so I'd love to see Yeah, him. I think if he's if he's if he's anywhere involved, I think he'll probably be win. I think Hugo Keenan has just kind of nailed down the spot, but um, they'll have to play well. And it's the same for Ulster, Leinster, Connacht players, any of them that get opportunities. And I think look it's it's us really surmising and at this stage um we're probably thinking New Zealand uh as opposed to Japan, but Japan yeah. are a serious threat and they showed they they cut Ireland open a few times in that summer game and obviously mm. what happened at World Cup mm. um will be hard to forget unless we get to beat them in a World Cup again. Um so this is gonna be a tricky game for Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, hugely. I as I said earlier on, I love the way they play. Um, their ability to keep the ball alive, be able to get to the wide challenge. As a neutral, as a supporter, it's brilliant. Somebody who loves rugby, it's really good to watch. They've got a really good balance within their squad. Um, and they have a game too. They played against Australia last weekend. Um, we couldn't watch it, obviously, didn't have any link to it from the Northern Hemisphere. But by all accounts, they, they, they only ran out of steam because of a lack of game time against Australia. Completely, you know, um, had a huge amount of chances at the time. So, look, it'll be brilliant. It's great to see it. I'm so excited to see it all back up. Yeah, it'll be good for sure. And uh, I think uh, 
it'll be interesting to see what way Ireland play in the next few weeks because they finished the Six Nations in in um, really good. in a really good fashion. Um, that performance against England showed a lot of variety and a lot of evasion and attack and stuff like that. So uh, maybe Keith Earls will light up the Aviva as well. So it's going to be a hard team from the pick. Um, hopefully, there's a few months to get players on that team and. All the provincial fans will want their a number of their own provincial players on the team. There's no getting away from the fact the majority will be Leinster because they're probably uh, a step ahead at the moment. And uh, that's just a reality. There's a lot of them in that squad who are top quality players who've delivered. Um, but look, hopefully there's a few Munster guys in there. Okay, so that's it for this week uh, of the episode. This week's episode of the Red 78. I'm going to say this to people, keep saying it. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on, on the performance um, at, the, on, at the weekend against Japan. What your thoughts are. Um, all things monster. If anything's happening in AIL or any of the club games at the weekend, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. Make sure you subscribe to the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next week. Thanks a million again, Neve. Thanks a million, Queenie. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Munster Rugby better.